Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Okay, good morning. So how are you guys doing? We are looking into Second Chronicles 19 and 20 today. So please find your Bibles. And while you do that, I will move over into the dad jokes today. Find the latest one. Here it is. Okay. <laughs> what is a vampire's favorite fruit? A blood orange. <laughs> That's bad. I shouldn't be doing vampire jokes. It's demonic. So we'll just carry on into the word today. Father, thank you for this time that we have. And as always, God, just show us the things you want us to see. Open up our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Looking in the lives of these kings and what's been, it's very interesting always to see how God rewards the faithful and challenges those who are going to wander away. Josiah was such a good example of um, one who stayed faithful from a very, very young age and how God was his defense on so many sides. Um, the lessons for us are, are enormous. So now we're going to look at uh, Jehoshaphat. We're stepping back, remember, a couple hundred years uh, to Jehoshaphat. So, again, disappointed in this algorithm that I pulled up at the beginning of the year when I, I typed it in for chronological. It's started off great. Now it's we're going forward and jumping back all over the place. So, sorry about that. But we are jumping back to look at this time with uh, Jehu and Jehoshaphat in chapter 19, verse 1. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord, and so bring wrath on yourself from the Lord? But there is some good in you, for you have removed the Ashtoreth from the land, and you have set your heart to seek God. So Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem and went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. Verse 5, he appointed judges in all the land, in all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city. He said to the judges, consider what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord, who is with you when you render judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do, for the Lord our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bribe. In Jerusalem also, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and some of the heads of the fathers' households of Israel for the judgment of the Lord and to judge disputes among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Then he charged them, saying, Thus you shall do in the fear of the Lord faithfully and wholeheartedly. Whenever any dispute comes to you from your brethren who live in the cities, between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and 
ordinances, you shall warn them so that they may not be guilty before the Lord. And wrath may not come on you and your brethren. Thus you shall do, and you will not be guilty. Behold, Amariah, the chief priest, will be over you in all that pertains to the Lord. And Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, in all that pertains to the king, also the Levites shall be officers before you. Act resolutely, and the Lord will be with the upright. Chapter 20. It came about that after this, that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Minyanites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram. And behold, they are in Hazazon, Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Now, behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. O our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Jehaziel answers the prayer. Verse 14, then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for your battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against him. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear, be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah 
and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The Levites from the sons of the Korathites and of the sons of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. They rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness, to Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Mount Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Then Judah came to the outlook of the wilderness and looked towards the multitude and behold, there were corpses lying on the ground and no one had escaped. Verse 25, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, and valuable things, which they took for themselves more than they could carry. And they were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. Then on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barukah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, they have named that place the valley of Baraka until today. Every man of Judah and Jerusalem returned with Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps, lyres, and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the dread of God was on all the kingdoms of the lands when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God gave them rest on all sides. Now Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 25 years, and his mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhi. He walked in the ways of his father Asa, and he did not depart from it, doing right in the sight of the Lord. The high places, however, were not removed. The people had not yet directed their hearts to the God of their fathers. Now the rest of the Acts of Jehoshaphat, first to last, behold, they are written in the annals of Jehu, the son of Hanani, which is recorded in the book of the kings of Israel. 35. After this, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel. He acted wickedly in in so doing. He allied himself with with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made ships in Ezion Geber. Then Eliezer, the son of Dodavahu of Merasha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. So the ships were broken and could not go to Tarshish. How sad of an ending of a king's life, a good king's life is that. He did so well so long. And why did he do so well so long? He pursued the word of God. He had the Levites go and explain it. And he knew the word of God. Remember, when he's praying to God for help, you can see how he knew Solomon's prayer, didn't he? Solomon prayed, God, when we are facing our enemies 
and there is the nations rising up against us. When we cry out to you in this place, hear, O Lord, hear our prayers, answer our prayers, and deliver. And he's kind of repeating that back to him. He's saying, God, there's no God like you. You are the one God over all the world. You have created heaven and earth, and you have control over the nations, and you established your name here in Jerusalem. So we are crying out to you, God, for that promised protection that you promised us. And as long as they were seeking him with their whole heart, all their soul and all their will, then God said he would. Now, interestingly enough, even with that, and even with sending out these priests to the people, and they were drawing them back to the Lord, it says, they were doing their best and teaching them God's word. Still, it says, in total, they had not yet come back. Overall, they still had not come back to the Lord. And this is probably why that after Jehoshaphat here, of course, he starts going south in his walk, which then affects the people. We start seeing there's this slow pulling away from the Lord again. And it goes on and on and on uh, until we finally get down to Josiah a couple hundred years later and they don't even know where the Bible is. They don't even know what it is. They don't know. They don't remember anything about it. It seems, including the priesthood, very, very sad. Second Corinthians seven. Now Paul reveals his heart. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Make room for us in your hearts. We wronged no one. We corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. We do not speak to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is the confidence in you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. For even when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without fears within. But God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you, as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while." Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance, for you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For behold, What earnestness this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what avenging of wrong. In everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in this matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the offender, nor for the sake of the one offended, but that your earnestness on our behalf, might be made known to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. And besides our comfort, we rejoiced even much more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I was not put to shame. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, so also our boasting before Titus proved to be the truth. His affection abounds all the more towards you, 
as he remembers the obedience of you all. How you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that in everything I have confidence in you. Amazing. Paul, we know, is trying to build him back up after his first letter, after he had to get pretty stern with them and point out all their sins that they were doing. He sends Titus to them to then essentially monitor and help them, encourage them to obey the words of the Lord that God had given to Paul. Here it is. Here's what it says. This is where you've gone wrong. The way back is through repentance. And now this is profound. It's profound because it's good for it. It applies to church discipline, but also to individual salvation because it says repentance produces godly sorrow. And that sorrow leads to salvation. And, of course, in the church sense, salvation out of their wrongdoing back into the right relationship with God. But individually, this is so important because the church is losing this. They're losing this sense of repentance and godly sorrow. Now we have these pop stars and these um, celebrity Christians, and they get up there in their concerts, and they get up there in, in big church services and say, no, God accepts you how you are. Just love God. God loves you just the way you are. And you don't need to change. You don't need to do anything. Just know God loves you. And it's a false gospel. Because unless we repent of our sin and recognize we're sinners and have godly sorrow over it, be broken and weep, then we can't be saved. It's quite simple. God does not save the proud. He does not save the person who will not, who refuses to acknowledge that he is a sinner or is in sin because Christ died for our sin. The blood atonement is for the propitiation. God's wrath poured out on sin. So when we confess our sin, then the blood is effectual. It's applied spiritually and we're, and we're, and we're saved. We are forgiven. So it's a, it's a big deal. But also, we can also have this sense of salvation out of disfellowship or broken relationship with Christ. I think Paul is using this, applying it to the church in that sense. But it's a good theological statement individually. And we need to continue to, when we share the gospel, is make sure that we point out every time, every time, that there needs to be godly sorrow for our sins, Oh, yeah, I was a sinner. I acknowledge it. Just not just acknowledge it, but godly sorrow for it. Knowing that we've broken, we've broken away, and we've done everything to essentially hurt the heart of God. We've done it in rebellion against him. And then ask for his forgiveness. And then it brings cleansing, and it brings salvation, and restoration. And there's no more, there's no more guilt. It, it's washed away. We know we're clean before him. And that's one of the beautiful benefits. I mean, one of the millions. So anyway. Continuing on with Charles Spurgeon, Hosea 6, 3. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Not all at once, but by degrees shall we attain to holy knowledge. And our business is to preserve and to learn little by little. We need not despair, though our progress may be slow, for we shall yet know 
The Lord, who has become our teacher, will not give us up, however slow of understanding we may be. For it is not for his honor that any degree of human folly should baffle his skill. The Lord delights to make the simple wise. (laughs) Amen. Our duty is to keep to our main topic and follow on to know. Not this particular doctrine or that, but Jehovah himself. To know Father, Son, and Spirit, the triune God. This is life eternal. Let us keep to this. For in this way, we shall gain complete instruction. By following on to know the Lord, we learn healing after being torn, binding up after smiting, and life after death. Experience has its perfect work when the heart follows the trackway of the Almighty Lord. My soul, keep thou close to Jesus, follow on to know God in Jesus, and so shalt thou come to the knowledge of Christ, which is the most excellent of all sciences. The Holy Ghost will lead thee into all truth. Is not this his gracious office? Rely upon him to fulfill it. I don't know what to say about that. It's just true. Rely upon the Lord. And thank him. (laughs) A lot of us are simple-minded. And our progress in understanding spiritual things can be slow. But I'm testimony to that, man. Thick growing up. Slow to understand things. But little by little, God continues to reveal to us the simple. And he makes us wise. And how many of us are just rejoicing that we didn't figure all this out. And we were messed up, but God revealed himself to us. We responded to it, and little by little, he's been transforming us. And we look at the direction some of our friends have gone, and we go, man, but by the grace of God, that's where I would be. And he keeps telling you, don't go down that path, and he reveals more reasons why and more truth and more life, and we are so, so thankful for what he's done. So let's continue to be thankful and thank him for that in all things. Father, we thank you for your love and for your gracious revealing to us truth, your love. Help us, God, to ever be learning of your glorious truth, but just you as the living word of God to understand more of who you are as the Trinity and how this works in our life now and for all eternity and how you use this knowledge to affect people around us to touch them and draw this in that you just that you desire to use us as your instruments of peace and to bring others into your kingdom so thank you for that we are so blessed bless this day god and help us be um mindful of the things that you're doing through us so that we don't blindly go through our days unaware of how you're trying to Uh, affect change in us, bring us deeper into our relationship with you, but also affect the people around us. We ask God you bless tomorrow as we prepare all of us for church at wherever we go, knowing and and realizing that this is the crowning point of the week. It's why we exist in one sense, so that we may sit at your feet and worship you and thank you as the The people in Jerusalem, when they were surrounded by the enemy with Jehoshaphat, 
and lifted up their voices and praised you and sang songs as they drew near to the battle line. And this is, God, what we desire to do as we are in these last days and we see the enemy gathering all around us. And we have this assurance, like Jehoshaphat did with his people, that we need only to draw up to the battle line because we need not fight. You will fight for us. When we come back with you at the end of the tribulation, we are going to witness you, our king, our general, our mighty God, battle against all the armies of the earth. And you want us there, no doubt, singing praises, knowing that you are mighty to save. So we thank you and bless you for the assurance that we have. And we thank you for your salvation and the work that's going on. Help us, God, to fall into repentance when we need to and have godly sorrow. If we're in sin, you're speaking to us. We know we need to do this. If we've drifted and are sinning against you, help us to get there. Help us to do that. Help us to show our friends that are in it as well. And may you be glorified now that we do. Father, I also want to lift up and, and praise you for some of the local things going on. This uh, We want to thank you for Mike and Mary's niece who was saved uh, miraculously from dying when she was struck by lightning. Her friend right next to her, unfortunately, God, died, only 14 years old, but their niece was able to be resuscitated and come back to life. So she's alive, Father. So we, we thank you for taking one of yours back home, and we are trusting that this young girl who died was with you, but for the niece, may now she use this in her life as a testimony of your saving grace and, and maybe a purpose for her life now. She's come through this, but thank you for... Uh, Mary and Mike being there, may you use them to minister directly to her. And also those that have had those kind of traumatic experiences and accidents that have been revived and come back to life. I, I can think of one or two of my friends that have had those situations where they should have died and come back to life, <laughs> including myself, actually, where we should have died, but you spared our life. So thank you, God. And we know you have a purpose for us. And we do pray specifically for the service tomorrow that you bring those that were contacted, the evangelism team. At, uh, Thursday night, there's a young woman that they ministered to, 19 years old, who heard the gospel, received, received you, God. May you bring her as well and help them to uh, grow in Christ. Use the word, God. Use the worship time to stir people to a deeper walk with you. And God, I pray specifically for those who have been wandering those that are in and out of the church and come occasionally that seem to use church as more or less an um, occasion to get out of the house rather than the, the intent that, it's, that it is there for, and that is to come together to learn of you, to seek after you, to share one with another. Our burdens, not only that, but our, our praises and to pray one for another. Father, we pray that you bless it tomorrow as we take communion, that we may be rallied around your table and that we may be drawn close to you. Bless the service here. Also, the services where um, my brothers and sisters are going right now that are with us. Continue to use the pastors, use the worship teams to move us, God, into faithfulness and not drift off into sin and to serve us as we see that you desire to use us in these last days. So thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So 
We will try and get out tomorrow's podcast. I'll record it today for tomorrow. So if you are following day by day to finish the whole year, then you can pick up tomorrow's reading on the audio podcast. Again, all the major podcast formats, Amazon and uh, Spotify, Apple and Stitcher is still open. There's a couple others. So anyway, look for it if you will. And we will see you tomorrow at church. If you are not going and or if you want to catch it later, we will see at nine. It, we are wrapping up the book of Revelation. I would encourage you to check it out. It's going to be good. So we'll see you then. We won't wrap it up tomorrow, but we're in the last two chapters. Okay, see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.